Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast from Taylor's Media. I'm Andy Davis. This is episode 14. I hope everyone had a very happy, very sunny and very lockdown-y Easter. It was also my birthday. Yeah, and I got a year's worth of Netflix, which under current circumstances is like being gifted a superpower. We've got a great guest today to kick off the new week, Matthew Brown. He's from retail experience agency Echo Chamber. We've talked a lot about the uh, specifics of kitchen and bathroom retailing in these podcasts, but Matthew is an expert in the wider retail sector, and his insights and thoughts on what the coronavirus situation means for retail in general and big-ticket retail is absolutely fascinating. Also, as always, I want to know how you're doing. How are you coping? How are you spending your time constructively? I'd love to hear from any of you who have had really positive engagement with new potential clients via your social media or any other digital channels. I'd love to get you on the podcast to tell your story. Find me on LinkedIn as Andrew Davis at Taylor's Media or email me Andrew Davis at taylorsmedia.com and that email address is in the episode description. Okay, let's talk to another retail expert now. We've got Matthew Brown from Echo Chamber. And they're a, well, you're a retail consultancy, Matthew. How would you describe what Echo Chamber do? Well, my job before the lockdown was to travel around the world and look at shops, um, to look at retail innovation, to deconstruct what great retailers are doing across all different sectors and see how you can apply that to retail whatever your sector is. So I've always said that you don't just look at your, your competition uh, if you want to innovate, you need to look outside, you need to look at the big picture trends and so forth. Obviously, now that no one's going anywhere and shops have changed, my business is starting to change as well. So uh, I can't describe myself as traveling around the world looking at retail so much, um, but I can still look at what's underneath retail, what are the principles of good, great retail, what can we learn, and maybe, you know, what can we take from all of this to, to build something positive when we come out the other side. You've presented at a conference we did, I've seen your presentations many times, and it's always some fantastic examples of what the real cutting edge of retail space is like. I mean, I focus a lot on what physical retail looks like. I mean, I'm not an online specialist in that sense. I do look at physical showrooms and physical stores, but I'm really interested in what what is the total customer experience. So how does online and offline communicate together? Uh, what is the customer offer? You know, what, what is the compelling reason for customers to come to you rather than someone else? How are you communicating your stories and so forth? Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in the whole picture, as it were, rather than just looking at what stores look like. Which is great. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I think an awful lot of retailers in my sector here will be thinking and planning and looking at themselves during the time that they have gifted to themselves here. So, I know this is a very broad question, and I know there's no real right or wrong answer to it, but what is your overall impression of what's happening with this coronavirus thing to retail, and what is it exposing, and what is it getting right? What's it getting right? That's a really interesting question. I suppose that the, the thing that it's really getting right is the real coming together of community and the sense of responsibility and brands behaving responsibly. Um, and I think, you know, the really interesting thing that we've had is this kind of uh, checklist of retailers that have behaved well and ethically and retailers that have behaved badly, you know, and it has ex- exposed some really ugly behavior, you know, and it's exposed ugly behavior across all different sectors. Um, and I have to say that one of the big players in the kitchen and bathroom sector has come out looking very bad after this. So there are 
retailers that have helped their staff, that have not kicked everyone off and made them unemployed immediately, you know, and there are others that have behaved really quite uh, irresponsibly and unethically. So I think the coronavirus crisis has has unveiled the the attitudes that have been hidden underneath brands, and some have revealed themselves to be very positive, um, which is a good thing. Um, the negative side is that um, online retail has really uh, shown its weaknesses uh, across this crisis. Everyone would have thought that that once we're all in lockdown and we've got nothing to do all day, that we'll be sitting there on our laptops or our iPads or our phones scrolling and buying online constantly. And this just has not happened. I mean, A, we're not buying, but B, the logistics of online have just shown that they've been totally unprepared for this crisis. Um, if you look at trying to buy any of the kind of uh, products that you might like to use around the house, certainly home improvement or garden products, you're talking about waiting times of, uh, you know, end of April, beginning of May for online orders. Um, you know, this is a total failure of providing what customers need when they need it. Um, and I think this is very interesting. I think this is something that people wouldn't have expected. I mean, certainly with online penetration of supermarkets, you wouldn't expect that the supermarkets could offer, you know, 90% of the UK population their grocery shopping online every week. But you would have thought that other retailers would have been able to plug the gap, but they haven't. So it, it's, it's been a very interesting situation. Um, in terms of you know what the crisis has revealed, do you think as well it has affected the way people view brands and the personalities that are involved with them? And what I mean by that is, people look at something like Tesco, and Tesco is Tesco, yep. but suddenly you yep. are you are noticing the individual store manager or the person on the till, or the, the there are people that work for these massive brands, and you are view, you are judging those brands by the people. You are absolutely. And, and look, some brands have really stepped up to the plate and they've been genuinely responsive. And I, I, I think, you know, it's certainly that connection with social media and the conversation that's happened, we've realized that retail is much more a conversation than we ever thought it was before. And by that, I mean the fact that, you know, a nurse posts a Facebook video in tears of her not being able to get the shopping and it goes viral. And within 24 hours, pretty much every retailer, grocery retailer across the world, and this is happening in Australia as well as in the UK. They've set up elderly hours. They've set up dedicated hours for NHS workers for shopping. Um, you know, they are actively responding to the situation on the ground in real time. And I think that is a very positive lesson to learn. Of you know, there's been a bunch of other retailers that have kind of paid lip service to the crisis, but they haven't actively changed the way that they're that they're serving customers, whereas others really have. Um, and as you say, that kind of activity on a local scale, on a personal level, with managers and staff being treated like heroes um, and being recognised for the effort they're making, I think you know that's a really positive side of, of what's coming out of this. What do you think this all means for the, the independent retail sector? You know, those local shops, which is obviously the kind of market that I deal in here. But yeah. broadly speaking, the, the, the idea that community feeds into local independent businesses. People feel a, a, an urge to support their local community much more than perhaps they would before. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends which sector we're talking about. I mean, certainly the footage in the grocery sector of, 
of, of big supermarkets being chopped out. A lot of the time, it was the local, you know, the local convenience stores that still had the product, that still had the things that we needed, the essentials, and they were quietly chugging along in the background, supporting their communities, and they weren't getting the kind of footage that we were seeing on social media of empty shelves and, and you know, elderly people not able to, to do their shopping. The problem, of course, is that these community stores on high streets are not getting any footfall now. I mean, obviously, in a world where everything is closed, there is no opportunity to do that same kind of browse shopping, regardless of whether it's your local high street or another city. I mean, everything is on lockdown. What has been interesting is a, is, is a kind of attempt to create a kind of local destination online. And it hasn't been done super successfully, but there was a very interesting example of York High Street which opened a website, which was essentially a kind of virtual shopping mall of a local high street with the independent retailers all featured, which I think points to a, a, to a really interesting potential in the future, which is for local independent retailers in certain areas to group together and create almost, as it were, a local mall so that they're, so that they're punching above their weight rather than just being one independent business on their own, that they're part of an ecosystem that has a unique personality, um, that has a local charm, that has a local customer base, that has a much more, you know, a, a deeper sense of community. One of the things you talk about a lot is the sort of in-store experience. You know, that if you if you want to go out and shop, you want to have an experience when you get there. You can't just wander in, get what you want and go out again because the, yep. the, the retailers that do that are the ones that systematically fall over and fail. We've just seen Debenhams do the same thing. Do you think this will have any long-term effect on people's desire to, to go out the house and have an experience when they get somewhere? I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, the one big thing that this, is, that this lockdown is going to teach us is the understanding that we don't go out in retail just to buy stuff. That's not why we go shopping. We go shopping to be part of something, to get us out of the house, to inspire us, to have a sense of community. Certainly, you know, hospitality was one of the driving, driving trends across all of retail. Um, you know, the idea of, in, you know, encouraging people to come and visit, to stay a little bit longer, to put in coffee stores or, or, or put in restaurants, no matter what your sector. And I think we are all missing pubs, bars, wine bars and restaurants like we never have before. And I think we we are going to appreciate them all the more when they open again. And I, I, I hope that the lessons for retailers will be that it's not about product you know in in this world we can get product anyway you can get it online you can get it from competitors but actually the the process of buying is a very different psychological process but a lot of the stuff you're saying here i hope i think will be music to the ears of people who run very good kitchen and bathroom independent showrooms yep. you know it's a very personal experience you, you clearly you are meeting the owner of the business most of the time yep. they are by yep. their nature very experiential stores particularly if they're having cooking yep. events or that kind of thing mm-hmm. so, so all this yep. is all this is music to their ears what what yep. do you think this all means for big ticket items obviously if you're popping into a shop to buy a pair of shoes that's one thing but if you, you know yep. these are big ticket items they are long drawn out sales processes what do you think it means for that there's two questions here. I mean, there's the, the first question is the coronavirus crisis, and then the second one is about long-term retail trends and what does what does long-term retail excellence look like? Um, and from a long-term perspective, retail has been evolving 
to become more and more personalized, to offer more and more personalized services, and for big ticket items, that is more important than ever. And ultimately, customers aren't interested in seeing product, as it were. What they want when it comes to a kitchen or a bathroom, when they walk into a showroom, they want inspiration, but ultimately what they want to know is, what's this going to look like in my kitchen? What about me? It's all about me. How does this apply? What will this cost? I don't want to know the cost of a particular unit or doors or door handles. Utterly irrelevant. I want to know how much is this going to set me back? What's the all-in price? What does this relate to me? What can I have? What are the options? You know, How can you inspire me? How can you surprise me? All of that personalized thing. And I think for big-ticket items, the goal of all retail is about constantly offering personal solutions through to the customer and to show exactly how it will work. And you either do that within the showroom setting or if we are going to need to start pivoting more to online, there needs to be some more enabled technological solutions that can do the job that a showroom is doing at the moment. I mean, hopefully we're not going to be entering that world. You know, hopefully this is going to be a lockdown that's going to roll on for one month, two months, however long, and then we're going to slowly recover and emerge from it. But in a more serious scenario where a lockdown continues through in various shapes and forms over the next year or two or three years, then you have to really start thinking about how does online combine with a showroom and what kind of job can you do? And the option for big ticket is to just go added value in on the personal service. But that's really where the point of difference is going to be, to spend longer with customers, to spend longer with customers online, showing them solutions that can really, you know, really apply to them and their homes, prices that fit them, and then obviously the solutions that are safe and secure about how it comes and gets installed and how it gets fitted and all of that. It's it's going to be all about added value service. What seems key to me in there is the business owner understanding their own brand, their own values, what kind of personality they're trying to get across to their customers before they even get to them. Because people will look for people will look for like-minded brands in the way that you're describing it. I think they absolutely will. Um, and I think the days of having to have slick advertising that looks really corporate, I don't think that's the benchmark. I actually think, as you say, having that local expert manager who you really get on with, who you are having in-store styling you know, consultations with about you know, what could you have here, you know, becomes much, much more important, that personal connection. And in a way, it doesn't need to look super, super slick. You know, it it can be, you know, as long as it's authentic and expert and genuine and personal, those are the things that are really going to generate the loyalty and, and generate the sale. Obviously, there has to be the expertise underneath it. But that would be the the thing that I would say, you know, I would be recommending to, to independent players about where to focus their attention. Is start talking to your customers. Start having much more personal conversations with them. Work on some inspiration but you don't need to be doing that old form of advertising. It's going to be much more about that personal connection. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the retailers that I talk to, they're so close to the business. They, they yep. either started it or they've worked in it for years or they work in, mm. with their husband or with their wife. They're so close yep. to it. I think that sometimes they find it difficult to step back and see things from a perspective of, of someone walking through the door. Yep. They, they understand their business so intricately that sometimes yep. that acts negatively against them. 
I think so. And I mean, I think the other side of it is that with a lot of specialist retail, and it doesn't matter what sector, you tend to get sucked into the traditional ways that that sector does stuff. Um, and, you know, so you end up with this world where kitchen showrooms, bathroom showrooms all look essentially the same. They have the same format. They have a bunch of lifestyle displays. They have a, they have a, you know, a desk with the computer with a bunch of paperwork where the staff sit. And you, you know, you have a chair in front where they sit and, it, you know, it's a bit like, you know, buying a holiday. It's kind of, it's a strange way to buy stuff. Um, you know, or jewelers tend to look the same because they're all, you know, they're all, uh, buying the same type of, uh, of, um, display fixtures from the shop fitters. So that, you know, the merchandising of jewelry looks absolutely standard across the industry. So I think there's a, that there is this sense of, of, of category retailers being sucked into their own category of not looking outside and not thinking ultimately about how could we be selling this in a different way? How, how do customers really want to buy stuff? What are the pain points of buying at the moment and how do we get rid of those pain points? You know, why does someone have to sit on an uncomfortable chair in front of a desk while someone's selling you a kitchen or a bathroom? You know, why would that be the way that you were doing it? There, there seems to be some sort of received wisdoms that aren't that wise. Yeah, and I think you know what this whole lockdown thing will do is make make people pause. They've yep. been gifted time to really take a long, hard look at their own business, but they have to be very objective when they do, and subjective when they do that. Yep. And that's difficult for some people. I agree. Well, look, Matthew, thank you so much for talking to us today and for sparing this time. This is fascinating stuff. I always love hearing you talk about retail. I always love looking <laughs> at the, the examples that you find all around the world. So I do recommend people go and dig out your website and have a look through. And if they want to find out more, they can always talk to you, I'm sure. Now, they can. Absolutely. whenever I have a guest on here, Matthew, I ask them the same question at the end here, right? Okay. For, a feature, okay. for a feature that I call Deserted Kitchen Island Discs, right? Right. And it is, I want to know what your most positive feel-good song is? What is the one song that you stick on in the car, you sing along and it always cheers you up? Oh, well, you know, look, I mean, it's cheesy, isn't it? I mean, it's the cheesy They usually one, are. But I do still love it. Is Bobby McFerry. Don't worry, be happy. Oh, no, that's a nice choice. <laughs> I've heard that a lot on the radio, actually, for obvious reasons, but that is a very, very yeah. good choice. That 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 is, it is mellow, it's laid back, and that is going, and yeah. everyone does all the, does all the, the noises along with it. So that's a brilliant it's an choice. oldie but a goodie. It is. Well, look, Matthew, thank you very much for all your help. Thanks for your time, Pleasure. and we'll catch up again soon. Cheers. Cheers thank you. Bye now. A massive thank you to Matthew Brown. There's some fascinating stuff in there. I'm sure you'll agree. You can find out more about his company, Echo Chamber, at echochamber.com. We'll be back very soon with another episode, but don't forget the lockdown special design competition. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to sign up. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, the Kitchen and Bathroom Design Podcast, by searching Kitchen and Bathroom Design in your podcast app or going to podcast.kbbreview.com. See you next time.